It's time now for the complete story with Rich and Dick Bott, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here are Rich and Dick Bott with today's complete story. You know, Rich, part of the problems that we're having all over America right now are the fact that the adults are not in charge. Those people, the parents, the teachers, the pastors, the educators, uh, they're not in charge, you see, until finally it gets so bad that the students start saying, we'll in charge, we'll in charge. And we've got to protest for our safety because apparently no one else cares. And we've got to do this and we've got to do that and we've got to take charge of things. And all that does is create chaos, really, isn't it? It's yeah, fundamentally, so fundamentally unbiblical for it to work that way. Or that the adults that are in the positions of authority are not acting like adults. Now, uh, now, so anyway, here's our first song, folks. I want you to just think about this. You know who it's by. One of the favorite artists of, uh, of uh, Dick Bott, that's me. By the way, my voice is maybe a little better. I have to learn to enunciate clearly so you can understand what I mean even though the voice isn't pleasant to listen to. But here is my friend who's home in heaven right now for many years to sing a song about what is happening right now. Is there any peace? Is there any peace anywhere? Just anywhere. Do you know a friend? Who will take the time to give you words of joy, comfort, and cheer? There is only one that I know. He's the one to whom we can go. Is there any peace? Yes, there's perfect peace only in the Lord. The world is filled with confusion and no one seems to have the key. For there's perfect 
say a word to the parents right now you raise your boys and girls and you bring them up through high school and you get you've had them in church and uh, now they're ready to go to college wow where are they going to go to college they're just out of high school for goodness sakes what is that choice and i'll tell you folks just because they say oh this is a christian college it no longer means that the same thing that it used to. Isn't that true, Rich? Well, Dad, a Christian college should stand squarely on the Word of God and defend your biblical convictions yeah. that are based on the Bible yeah. and not bend to whatever the cultural trends may be, whatever the winds may be blowing yeah. this day, but stand true to the Word of God. Maybe we ought to be making a list of Christian colleges that stand true on God's Word, <clears throat> and then let our listeners know in the course of time which ones they are. Now, we were at Hannibal LaGrange Baptist University in Hannibal, Missouri this week, and it was exciting, folks. Are you listening to me? I mean the administration and the faculty and the student body were just exciting. Isn't that right? It was tremendous. And of course, Hannibal is right there on the Mississippi River, and that's the same town where uh, Mark Twain was from, Samuel Clemens, where he wrote Tom Sawyer, Huckleberry Finn, and so forth. Very, very historic town right there on the river. And what a marvelous university that is, Hannibal LaGrange University, that's standing squarely yeah. on the Word of God. Now, I've said many, many times, everything rises and falls on leadership. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Anthony Allen, Allen giving Dr. great Anthony leadership. Allen at that university, I mean, he sets the standard, and all of the faculty and the administration. So write it down, folks. Wonderful leidership team there. I mean there. to tell you, we had a ball. Didn't ha we? Hannibal Lagrange University. That's exactly right. It was wonderful, and we met so many wonderful students there from yeah, all over, all over the country. All right, now I want to talk for just a moment about NRB. That's National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville, Tennessee, just uh, one, uh, 10 days ago. Yes. Uh, wasn't it wonderful? Now, Bot Radio Network, uh, we sponsor, we host a breakfast. They call it the Leadership Breakfast uh, every year. And it's at 7 o'clock in the morning. Can you imagine mm -hmm. that? And there were about 400 people at our breakfast this year. And it was great, wasn't right. it? And these were ministry leaders from across the country that are involved with national religious broadcasters. We always try. We give awards that are well-deserved, but then we always try to have a speaker that really, I always say, can deliver the mail, mm -hmm. can say it like he means it, and give an inspiration to the audience that's there. And just... Uh, because everybody's from somewhere across the country and even parts, different parts of the world. But everybody's looking for where on earth is that college, that university that really stands for something. Now, I'm looking at something just now. There's, a, there's another college, I think it's Simmons, in um, the East Coast, and they just announced to the students that they can no longer say, God bless you. Like if somebody sneezes 
or somebody sneezes or coughs or something, you know, it's customary almost to say, God bless you. But they said, no, not on this campus anymore, because that is a statement of aggression. Can you imagine, folks? And I mean, we could go downhill from there. And a lot of colleges and universities, and far too many of them, are Christian colleges that no longer preach the Bible and take a stand to help the students instead of just turning it over to the students to run everything. Well, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. That's the key to living a a true life and uh, going to get an education to an institution that also keeps their eyes on Jesus. All right. Now, who did we have speak? It was Dr. Everett Piper. Right. And our listeners have heard him interviewed on this very program before, too. I am telling you, I thought, and Rich uh, as well, said, look, you know, the best speaker that we could think of for this year at this time would have Dr. Everett Piper from Wesleyan University. Oklahoma Wesleyan University. He's been in the news quite a bit lately. You see him sometimes on Fox News Channel as they're talking about the issues of the day as it relates to education, everywhere, everywhere. especially where Christians are are at odds sometimes with uh, what's become politically yeah. correct. Okay, so, uh, folks, now are you ready? Turn your radio up. You're going to love this because here is Dr. Everett Piper exactly as he presented himself to our audience at NRB. Well, I'm president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University. So I'm the guy. I'm the guy you may or may not remember. It was two years ago during Thanksgiving week at Oklahoma Wesleyan University where we still stand boldly boldly and unapologetically for those four pillars that I just described to you. The primacy of Christ, the priority of Scripture, the pursuit of truth, and the practice of wisdom. We are very clear about this. We are conservative and we are Christian. We put it in our banners. We put it in our architecture. We put it in our promotional material. You cannot come to my institution without knowing who we are. We do not sell vanilla ice cream. If you want vanilla, go someplace else. You can get that on any street corner. But if you want our bold and distinct flavor, come to Oakwood. Now, the students that attend there obviously have heard me, and they've heard this, and they understand this. And as a Christian institution, we still have required chapel. It was Thanksgiving week two years ago. I received a phone call after one of our chapel services. I was doing something else that day and playing hooky. I did not attend chapel. Well, the speaker, who was one of our vice presidents, called me, and he said, Hey, I need to give you a heads up. I had one of our students approach me after I spoke today and play the victimization card. I said, really? He said, yeah. He came up to me and he said, your sermon offended me. It singled me out. It made me feel uncomfortable and it likewise made my peers feel uncomfortable. And I said, well, Kyle, what in the world was your sermon on? He said, 1 Corinthians 13. I said, what? Yeah. 1 Corinthians 13. I spoke on love. I'm a monster, he said. (laughs) Now, I know that Kyle always speaks from a script. He never ad-libs. He always is using a text. And he's also very brief. Usually it's a 15-minute homily. So I said, Kyle, give me a copy of your sermon today. I want to read it. And I read it word for word. There wasn't one bit 
of sarcasm or political humor or anything that you would find offensive. It was 1 Corinthians 13, the quintessential love chapter of the Bible. Love is patient, love is kind. The least offensive passage of all of Scripture, I would argue. 1 Corinthians 13. And I've got one of my kids at my university who knows that they come to this institution because we stand for the primacy of Christ, the priority of Scripture, the pursuit of truth, and the practice of wisdom. And he's approaching my chaplain and saying he's offended by it. I was incredulous. Now, for some 10 years or so, I've been writing a weekly opinion piece for the local Bartlesville Examiner Enterprise, the local newspaper. And generally, when I write those pieces every week in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, five people read them and three people care. (laughs) This particular week, I was in a fuss. I couldn't believe the Snowflake Rebellion had reached my campus. So my op-ed this week was on this particular story. I generally labor over these pieces, five, six hours, trying to get 800 words perfect to try to engage a secular world with a biblical worldview and tempt the secular mind and reader to care. This week, I wrote it in probably 10 minutes. I was mad. Essentially said this, young man, you know that feeling of discomfort you had when you heard that sermon? It's called your conscience, and you might want to listen to it. And if you expect us to coddle you rather than confront you, if you expect us to make you feel comfortable rather than challenge your character, if you expect us to start issuing trigger warnings before we have an altar call, you might want to go someplace else. And then I concluded after a few more words and said, My land, this is a university, it's not a daycare. Now, unbeknownst to me to this day, somebody gave that op-ed to Glenn Beck. (laughs) I'm sitting 5 o'clock Thanksgiving morning in my leather chair with my chocolate Labrador keeping my feet warm as I do my morning reading, and my phone buzzes. And I look down at my phone, and I've been flagged. It's a Facebook message. It's Glenn Beck. Now, I'm not a Facebook friend of Glenn Beck, so I think this is rather odd. And I look at it, and Glenn has posted this Bartlesville Examiner Enterprise opinion piece, and he's telling all of the people in the Glenn Beck, the Blaze, Mercury Studios world to read it for Thanksgiving dinner. Why this is Thanksgiving dinner reading, I don't know. I guess you'll have to ask Glenn. But by noon on Thanksgiving, about 50,000 people had read it on Glenn's Facebook page. I'm thinking, well, this is fascinating. By 2 o'clock in the afternoon, as my family is sitting down for Thanksgiving dinner, it's now up to 70 and 75,000. It's just clicking away as you watch it. In fact, my youngest son, who was a senior in college at the time, was home from university where, in Michigan, and he was sitting at the Thanksgiving table, and he looked at me as the numbers were clicking upward, and he said, Dad, you've said so much worse than this. All right, two and a half weeks later, three and a half, people, three and a half million people had read the story. Drudge and Dreher and Limbaugh and Beck and Bott and Salem and the Washington Times and the Washington Post and the New York Times and newspapers in Canada, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, U.S. News and World Report, NBC Today, 
Fox News and Fox and Friends and even papers in Oxford, England, and even in the Orient were picking up the story. The not-a-daycare president. This guy called out the snowflakes, and it needed to be said. Life changed a little bit. So what's the point this morning? Why should you care? Why did anybody else care? What I just said is not all that scholarly. Any good granddad has said the same thing to his grandkids. Any good father and mother in here, any good coach has looked at his players and said, no pain, no gain. Everybody in here who's an athlete knows that without the rigor and the discipline of going to practice and paying attention to the coach, all of you in here that's been a musician, who have been a musician, knows that if you don't discipline yourself to the rhyme and the rhythm and the cadence of music, that you're not performing a concerto, it's nothing but chaos. And every athlete knows that if you don't discipline yourselves to the rules of the game, that there are boundaries and you listen to the referee and you pay attention to the coach, that you cannot play basketball or soccer. It's impossible to live life outside of the confines of some sort of boundary and discipline. Everybody knows that. This is not high scholarship. So why did people care so much about me basically telling a kid, College is a time to be confronted and challenged and to grow as a man of character. It's not a time to make you feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. Sidebar, sidebar. This one might be worth the price of admission, folks. C.S. Lewis tells us in the Chronicles of Narnia that the great lion Aslan is not safe, but he's good. Mm -hmm. The great lion Aslan, the Christ figure figure of the story of Narnia, is not safe, but he's good. Well, let's paraphrase that. The great lion of the liberal arts, the great lion of the academy, the great lion of education, the great lion of the church, the great lion of the gospel of Christianity is not safe, but he's good. There's a huge difference between goodness and safety. And I'd much rather have the first rather than the second. Lewis also tells us that when you put first things first, you get them. But when you reverse the order and put second things first, you get neither the second nor the first. The first thing is goodness, righteousness, truth, an objective measuring rod outside of those things being measured so that you can do some measuring. The first thing is goodness, not your safety, not your comfort. Not your security. No pain, no gain. That's why people cared. I believe firmly that's why people cared. And I also believe that people cared because of something else very simple. The power of the word. Words mean something. Definitions mean something. You're in the radio business. You're in the communication business. You... Do your business through the power of the word. Yesterday during a panel discussion, I said, Jesus defined himself as an alphabet, my land. Why? He said, I'm the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. Why did he define himself as the word made flesh and dwelling among us? Because there's power in words. And maybe, just maybe, the imago Dei, the thumbprint of God on our heart, on our soul, on our mind, is in the power of words, our ability to understand to debate, to argue, to quarrel, 
to come to conclusions. I've got news for you. I'm from Oklahoma, and when I drove from the airport from Bartlesville to Tulsa to fly here, I drove through the cattle ranchers, ranches. Tens of thousands of acres of cattle left and right on the highway, and not one of those cows was arguing with one another. They don't care. They don't do this. They don't have radio stations. They don't have talk shows. They don't read. They don't understand words. You are the Imago Dei. You're the image of God. You are not the Imago Dog. One of the greatest problems of our culture, one of the greatest lies... I've got about five minutes to bring this home. The greatest lie of our time is that we have forfeited the power of definition, the power of words. We've allowed the human being to be dumbed down to nothing but the sum total of what we are inclined to do. Our identity today is our inclination. If you're inclined, sexually or otherwise, to do something, that's who you are. What a lie. What an insult to the Imago Dei. That your proclivities, your passion, your gut, your libido, your appetites define you? Well, I've got news for you. I'm inclined to do a lot of things that I choose not to do. My inclinations do not define me. What I desire to do is not the sum total of my being. I can rise above it as a morally culpable individual and just say no. The power of your word to confront that lie is critical in the discussion of human freedom. Because really, that's what it all boils down to. Are we going to be bound to our appetites and enslaved to our gut? Or are we going to have the freedom to rise above a sinful inclination and be sanctified, set apart, to behave differently? That's why people cared. It's the power of the word made flesh and dwelling among you. I'm going to close with this. What's a Wesleyan? Actually, before I came here, I was in the Oklahoma House of Representatives chamber where they asked me to come in and deliver the opening prayer and a brief devotional. They gave me some instructions. Bullet number two. Don't speak to anything political or partisan. I approached the podium, and I read that bullet as my introductory statement to the devotions. (laughs) And then I said to the House of Representatives on Wednesday morning before I hopped on a plane to fly here, who in the world wrote that? Whose idea was this? Don't speak to anything political? Why did you invite me here? And I want to ask you, House of Representatives, who decided that the definition of human life was political? 
Who made the decision that the definition of a sacrament of the church, marriage, is too political? Who decided that the definition of a human being is too political? Who among you decided that the definition of a man and a woman is too political? My land, we've come to the point in our time, in our day, where we can't even agree that a woman is a biological fact and not a fabrication and a fantasy of a dysphoric male that wants to raise his hand on a given day and say, I'm a woman. Too political? My church, the Wesleyan Church, was born out of, out of a debate in the history of our country called abolition. We are an abolitionist church. Orange Scott and Luther Lee approached their church, the Methodist church, who at the time wouldn't take a stand against slavery, and said this. There's power in the word, and the word of God says that a black man and woman are human beings. And they deserve just as much freedom and dignity as anybody else in this room. And as the result of that debate, my church was born. Now, do you want to tell me that Orange Scott and Luther Lee were being too political? I would argue that's asinine, and that's wrong, and that elevates your word above God's. My challenge to you today, wave the banner. Wave the banner with confidence and clarity and courage. Stop the conversation. I'm sick of the conversation. The conversation implies capitulation. The conversation implies compromise. It is time for clarity and conviction and courage run into the face of the storm. Wave the banner. Wave the banner with this confidence that if you win waving that banner, great, that's God's grace. But if you lose waving that banner, who cares? It's the right one to wave and be ready to go down fighting. (laughs) Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, and you all know the quote, not to speak is to speak and not to act is to act. Silence in the face of evil is evil itself. One more time, not to speak is to speak and not to act is to act. Silence in the face of evil is evil itself. Be not silent. Thank you. Man, Rich, wasn't wasn't that powerful? Dr. Everett Piper, the president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University at this year's National Religious Broadcasters, Bot Radio Network, NRB Celebration Breakfast. So we're so proud and pleased to uh, sponsor that breakfast and have Dr. Everett Piper as our special speaker. folks, you know, you know as well as I know, that many Christian colleges now, many Christian colleges now, are backing up and watering down and accepting things they didn't used to do. So choose your college for your young person carefully, Mm. carefully, so it builds on what you have done in your Christian home, and they are able to go into adulthood stronger than ever before. And wherever you are, wave the banner with confidence, clarity, and courage. You know, I, uh, 
I, well, by the way, let me just say this now. Our listener comment line is one 800 We'd love to hear from you. Uh, let us know what you think about our programming. Give us any ideas or suggestions you may have. one 800 That's right. And they're put into a transcript, aren't they? Yes, and we love to hear testimonies about how God is using Bot oh, Radio man. Network in your life. We sure do. All right, now listen. These are some young people that are singing a song, and we'll go off with this. These are young people singing a song that we all should be singing. Here it is. is frowning at me here. He said, those are little kids. Those are little kids, Dad. We're talking about college kids, but you know, it really means everybody. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody, from the youngest to the oldest. All right, you sign us off. Hey, folks, this is Rich Bott and my dad, Dick Bott, with you on this chapter of The Complete Story is a public service, and we'll see you next time.